0: In hyperbole there, but the preaching was absolutely amazing this week. Um, this morning, I want to uh, shift focus just for a moment, not, for, not towards anything that man did this week or anything that uh, we got excited about. There were fun memories that we made last week, but I want to shift the focus to where it should be this morning in God's holy word. And I want to look at Psalm chapter number 78. And I want to ask that uh, nothing this morning be dismissed as excitement or overreaction, but that we all look in the mirror of the Word of the Lord this morning as uh, we look at Psalms chapter 78, if you will stand all over the house with me as we read. We're going to read the first eight verses this morning. The Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and His strength, and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them... "...known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. And they that might set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And might not be, as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was steadfast with God." This morning I want to preach on this thought. I will open my mouth. I will open my mouth. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For so much for your family, for your church that's gathered here this morning. God, each and every one of them plays a special part in your kingdom and your family. God, I thank you for their attentiveness and their uh, praise this morning as they looked at the, the memories we made last week. God, I pray now that we all shift our focus to the glass of your word, to the mirror of your word. Help us all to examine ourselves before your holy scriptures. Father, get me completely out of your way. Help me to be a blessing to this thy people. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen and amen. This morning in Psalm chapter 78, I want to dial in on those five words there at the beginning of verse number two that says, I will open my mouth. Our psalmist, his name was Asaph. and. He is known to be a contemporary of David, and he had a message that he was about to preach here in Psalm chapter 78. I encourage each and every one of you today find time and read this entire psalm. It is, in fact, the second longest psalm in the book of Psalms. And um, he essentially, he speaks, he will open his mouth in a parable, and this parable he was about to say was the history of Israel. And we know even our Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they used the journey and the history of Israel as a picture and an application and made messages that apply right Right here today. So his message was a message that was on time at the time it was written in Psalm 78 for the nation of Israel, and it's on time here. This morning, this message that he was about to preach is something that was very, very important to him. And today we are going to uh, dive into the introduction of his message. I wish we could go through the entire psalm. I wish we had the time. Um, But we're going to look at the introduction to his message and we're going to look at why he had to open his mouth for this message. Number one, it was a hard message. It was a hard message this morning. Verse number 2 says, I will open my mouth in a parable, and that is the history of Israel up until that point. And he said, I will utter dark sayings of old. This, me- this word, this verbiage he uses here was simply put, I will utter hard proverbs, hard things to understand. When he says dark sayings here, what he's saying is, is that the message I'm about to talk about is a message that's avoided amongst our people that there are things in Israel's history that many of us ask, why did this have to happen? Why did we have to be judged in this way? Why did we have to wander for 40 years? Why did we have to be bitten by serpents? Why did we have to be judged for worshiping the golden calf? And he was warning the people, I'm about to have a hard message. There are things in this life that happen and we don't understand necessarily why they happen to us, but yet they happen just the same. And sometimes the reason they happen is is a very hard reason to understand. And there are truths that we don't fully understand in this life, but that does not make them any less true. As Johnny Pope said this week, God makes them true. Let God be true and every man a liar. And as this psalmist is beginning to write his message, he wanted to make sure that people understood that this is going to be a hard message. Number two, it's going to be a historical message. Message verse number three, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. This wasn't just some emotional speech that he got up out of frustration or reaction. This was a message that was backed up by Israel's history, and that was backed up <clears throat> by years and years of living and following God. This message uh, was react; it was not ra- reacting to social dilemmas of their day or social problems. This was a message that had been demonstrated throughout Israel's history, and he speaks it by a parable. He says, I will open my mouth in a parable. And he begins to paint the picture in the rest of uh, chapter 78 of all the things Israel had gone through and all the successes Israel had and all the times the Lord was good and all the times Israel was bad. And he begins to paint this picture of Israel's birth, of their journey. And while they were literal historical events... They were also used by Christ and the apostles, such as Paul, as pictures of God's plans, of pictures of God's purposes and practices for mankind. So, this morning it was going to be a hard message to swallow, but it was going to be a historical message. He wasn't just making stuff up as he was going along. He was pointing back to the literal Word of God, back at the Pentateuch, the books written by Moses, and he was chronicling and outlining events that they could take to the bank, that they knew what happened, they knew what the Word of the Lord was. So, this morning we're going to seek to do the same thing, to look At our history, to look at our Bibles and and paint those parallels and paint those parables. It wasn't just a hard message, a historical message. It was not a hidden message. Look at the first part of number verse 4. Number verse verse number 4. We will not hide them from their children. We are about to see the whole reason for this message is that it not be hid from the next generation. When he said the words, I will open my mouth, he realized that there was a great need for him to say what he was about to say so that the next generation may be able to hear it. That there were some uh, skeletons in Israel's closet, if you will. There were some things that Israel had messed up and done wrong, but he was not going to avoid those issues. He was going to proclaim those issues and proclaim God through those issues so that the next generation would understand what's going on and what they're seeing before their very eyes. And what we know that the reason this message is could not be hid is because Satan cannot do anything to stop the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of y'all didn't hear me. Satan cannot do anything to stop the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot stop the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God into salvation. That we are not ashamed of the gospel that is the power of of God into salvation. But we know what Satan can do is he can tempt, trick, and ensnare Christians into hiding the gospel within themselves. And this man had to open his mouth because he knew this was a message that could not be hid. This was a message that could not be held back. And Satan does this by number one, inaction, by doing nothing for God. But we know in the Bible it says, But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. A lot of times, a lot of us don't open our mouths because we see opportunities to serve, we see opportunities to witness, we see opportunities to be a light, to be salt, and we do nothing. That is how Satan is able to manipulate his way to stop the sowing and the spreading of the gospel by tricking Christians into doing and saying nothing. Not only by inaction, but by reaction. Our flesh is at war with the spirit that lives and breathes inside of us. Somebody say, Amen. Paul said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh indeed is weak. We know that we are still cursed to live in this fleshly tabernacle, this fleshly body that we inhabit. And that flesh is at a constant, raging, terrorizing war with the spirit that's within us. We serve Christ as a Christian. We follow him. We've given our soul to him for all eternity. There's nothing we can do to mess that up. He loves us anyway. However, our flesh, every single step of the way is fighting to prevent us from being able to spread that gospel, keeping us Afraid of, our own, afraid of our own shadow, if you will. Afraid to speak out. Afraid to open our mouths. And sometimes our flesh causes us to react. And if we allow it, it can, be, it can prevent us from being an effective witness. Our flesh can mess up our testimony for our lives, can't it? Our flesh can get in the way and make sure that even if we wanted to share the gospel, not many people will listen because we've allowed our flesh to dictate and control our actions for so long and for so much of our lives that even if we wanted to be an effective witness, we've allowed our flesh through the temptation of Satan and through uh, giving in to his desires and his wants for our lives, we allow our flesh to prevent us from being A faithful witness. And this psalmist here, Asaph, he says we cannot allow this to happen any longer. We cannot hide this from the next generation any longer. We have to tell them the truth. We have to open our mouths. So it would not just be a hard message, a historical message. It's not a hidden message, but it's a heralded message. I will open my mouth. I'd ask the church this morning to put yourself right there in verse number two and say those words. I will open my mouth. But some of you are just like me. And when you open your mouth, you immediately regret it. Okay? Okay? So it's important that we don't just open our mouths and say just whatever comes out because our flesh gets involved in that. But the psalmist was wise enough to not only just say, I will open my mouth, but I will open my mouth. And in God's holy scripture this morning, he lays out some things that we are to open our mouths And do some things that we are to open our mouths and say. And this morning for just a moment, I want to preach on that thought. I will open my mouth. And number one, I will open my mouth and praise. Look at verse number four. We will not hide them from the next generation, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. God is long overdue. On praise, isn't he? As Brother Harold said just a moment ago, we can't praise him enough. Every breath that we have comes from him. Everything that we have, everything that we see in this life comes from the Lord God Almighty. Our psalmist here outlines it as such. He says, praises of the Lord, comma. Notice that. He's enough. If all we had to praise God for is that he is God and that he exists, that'd be enough. Do you realize that here? That that comma there, we could not read another word of Scripture. We could not read another verse of Scripture. Just the simple fact that He's alive, that He's real, that He exists is the reason for everything. For we know that if there was no God out there, every single bit of this would be absolutely pointless. Every breath we lived, every step we took would be absolutely futile. It would be absolutely useless because God is real and because God spoke this world into existence. And because He's the divine creator of the universe, everything has purpose. Everything has a reason Everything has an eternity because of God. Praise God. Just for Him. Just for the simple fact that He's there. Not only that, there's words after the comma. This is where we get excited. Not only is He there. Not only is He real. Not only is He the sovereign author of all the universe. And His strength. You mean there's more? Yes, there's more. He's not dead Buddha. He's not dead Muhammad. He's not some dead politician or dead preacher or dead king or dead prince or dead religious patriarch. He's not just some prophet. He's not just some teacher. He's not just man. He has power, power, wonder-working power. He has power not just over the things of this life. He has power over death and hell itself. He rose from the grave again. He is not the one that just simply lived a little life and gave a little message and died a little death, but He conquered death. He overpowered hell. He overpowered the grave. And He's alive so that you and I can continue living in Him and He living in us. He has strength over every single thing in our lives. He has power over every single thing in our lives. And it's about time we realize that we need to quit shutting our mouths about how powerful and how strong the God we serve really is. He's got strength this morning. He's got strength when you're at work. He's got power when you're at the workplace. He's got power when you're out there in the world doing the things and going through life in this life. You're not alone. You have a God who is powerful, who is not slack concerning His promise, who is able to keep that which He's committed unto you and finish that work in your life. You have a God who has power this morning and His strength. Praise Him for being God. Praise him for his strength. Can it get better, preacher? Yeah, there's another comma. Look, look right there. And his wonderful works. Not only is he the sovereign creator of the universe that gives all of our lives purpose and meaning. Not only does he have all power over anything that we can encounter, but he careth for you. He knows about your light bill. He knows about your rent. He knows about your sickness. He knows about your pain. Can I bring it in close? He knows who hurt you. He knows who did you wrong. He knows what they said. He knows what they posted. He knows everything about you. He knows your name. He knows your frame. The hairs on your head are are numbered. Not only is He an all-powerful sovereign creator of the universe, but He cares enough to know your name. And not only that, He knows enough and cares enough for God. So love the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, could it get any better, preacher, that the sovereign creator of the universe knows my name? Yes, it can. Could it get any better, preacher, that the sovereign creator of the universe knows what I'm going through. Yes, it can. Can it get any better, preacher? Let me tell you this morning, He died for you. He gave you the gift of eternal life. Praise Him when the church realizes that we'll shout for a home run and we'll shout for a touchdown and we'll lift up our kids for a straight-A report card, but we come to the house of God and we sit there like knots on a log and we forget about the power of God. We forget about the presence of God. We forget about the purpose of God. We forget about the gift of salvation and we praise on Friday nights and we praise out there in the football games and we praise on Facebook and we praise on social media. When we come to the house of God, we keep our mouths shut. Why don't my kids say amen? Do you say amen? Why don't my kids thank the Lord? Do you thank the Lord? I will open my mouth and praise. That's a decision the psalmist was making. He said, if we don't praise Him, they won't praise Him. It's that simple church. It's that simple, Israel. There's some things in Israel's past that were hard. There's some things in your past that you didn't understand. There were some times in life when you didn't know what was going to happen next. There were some times in life when you thought the whole world was crashing down around you, but there was a God who came right down in the middle of your mess. There was a God that came right down in the middle of your hysterical fit and put his hands on you and lifted you up, and you ought to praise him for it. We're quick. We're quick. Capital me right here to complain. How's it going? Oh, well. You just don't understand what I'm having to deal with at work. You got a job. You just don't understand what I'm having to fix at the house. You got a house. A lot of times we keep our mouths shut when it's time to praise. And there's a generation paying the price. Because you know what the flesh, you know what the young people want? Same thing you want. They want praise. They want encouragement. And if they see the only way to get it is to go play a sport or to go make good grades, if they see the only way mom and daddy or grandma or grandpa or cousin or uncle are going to be proud of them is if they go do something worldly, what are they going to go do? But do you praise them? For going to Sunday school? Do you praise them for saying their prayers before they go to bed? Do you praise them for knowing what their Bible says? Do you praise them for knowing the the verses of the Word of God? We wonder what's happened. We're giving the wrong things the praise. I used to make sure I was at every teenager's football game and at every teenager's baseball game, and I tried my best and we did our best, but you know what I realized real quick? I was given the wrong things the praise. And they'd say, why weren't you at my baseball game? Why didn't you come to the track meet? Why didn't you come here? And I'd say, why didn't you come to Sunday school? Why didn't you get out of bed on Sunday morning and call me? I'd have came and got you. Why didn't you come here? And why didn't you come here? And they go, oh! Pastor Bryce loves for young people to succeed in whatever they do. But Pastor Bryce wouldn't be doing his job if I didn't keep their focus on where it ought to be. I will open my mouth and praise. Please don't misunderstand me. I played the sports. I love them. You will get me all painted up and excited at a football game just like anybody else would. I love it. Love watching them succeed in this and that and the other. But if I overprioritize that and I don't praise them for being here. And I don't thank them for reading their Bibles. And I don't thank them for coming on Wednesday nights and praying with their brothers and sisters. I've got my priorities messed up. I will open my mouth and praise. That's the fun one. It's about to get quiet. I will open my mouth and parent. Verse number five. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise, is the name of our conference this week, and declare them to their children. I will open my mouth and praise, but I will open my mouth and parent. This happens not on Sunday. This happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then you go get recharged on Sunday. Israel, you can shout her down. You can praise the Lord for all he's done. But if you don't parent your children, they could care less. I've said it in this pulpit before, I'd take a bus kid with no mama, no daddy, somebody strung out on drugs, somebody have a, I'd take them all day long before I'd take a kid who comes to church on Sunday and watches their mama and daddy who go to church on Sunday live like the devil on Monday. Because then at least we can be a family to the one who has no family. It's impossible to go before a teenager and explain to them why they should live for the Lord when they're going home and watching mama and daddy do one thing on a Sunday and do another thing on a Monday. We've got to be willing as the church of the living God to open our mouths and parent. Well, it ain't the church's responsibility to raise your kids. You're absolutely right. It's the mama and daddy's responsibility to raise their kids. But here's the day and hour what you and I are living in. They ain't there. Number one, you have to be present to parent your child. They're not there. That's a sad reality. And I would never do this. wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. But if I asked our youth group, the 30 so kids that come on Wednesday nights, to stand in here. If their biological father or a good godly stepfather that loves them lives inside their home. Maybe two, maybe three out of that 30 could stand up. Maybe two, maybe three. I want to ask you a question, church. Absolutely. The Bible's clear. It is mama and daddy's responsibility to parent those children. But if they're not there, the devil's willing to. Satan will welcome them with open arms. Come here, darling. I know it hurts. Satan will say, come here, sweetheart. I know your daddy walked out on you. Come here, sweetheart. I know your mama walked out on you. Here's marijuana. You won't think about it anymore. Here you go. Here's alcohol. Here's liquor. This will help. Satan's waiting with open arms for the ones who ain't got no mama, who ain't got no daddy. So church, if we don't fulfill that note, do we want Washington to fulfill that role? See how great a job they're doing with the public school system. Do you want them to fill that role? But we wonder, how has the world gotten to this point? How has a generation lost sight of the things of God? How can these kids come to a kids program and not know the story of Jonah and the whale? I mean, everybody knows Jonah and the whale. How can they come and not know how to pray? How can they come and not even know how to button their shirt, put a belt on? How could this possibly happen? It's because for years, Satan's been going, Come here, honey. Come here, sweetheart. I'll take care of you. And the church has let the devil himself raise a generation through the Internet, through TV, through the school system. And we wonder, how has this happened? The psalmist said it was going to be hard to swallow. We're going to have to open our mouths and parent. It means you see a boy, you see a girl. Where's your mom and daddy at? I ain't got one. God's going, you're in. Tag in. Are you a saved child of God? Do you have the answer? Do you have the answer? He outlines it further. Look what he says. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And he did more than that and appointed a law in Israel. What's he talking about? The word of God. I've heard it said incorrectly so many times. Pastor, I'm doing my best. But you know, my kid didn't come with an instruction manual. Yeah, they did. It was written before the foundations of the world, before you were conceived, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye or an embryo in your mama's belly. Before any of that, God knew you. God named you. God had a plan for you. God wrote a book so that your parents would know what to do with you. Your parents would not have to wonder, do I do it this way? Do I do it that way? But I can parent based on the authority of the Word of God. He's saying, Israel, you read Moses. You know what those commandments say. Don't look at me when your kids start acting. Well, I don't discipline my child. I don't spank my child. We know. You didn't have to tell us that. But he gave us a book. He gave us a Bible. And he gave us an outline that daddy's supposed to be daddy. And mama's supposed to be mama. And kids are supposed to be kids. And parents are supposed to be parents, not their friends. Not their friends. If the only time you see what your kid's doing is on social media, you're messing up. If the only time you're, you and your kid talk is when you have to physically take that device out of their hands or have to physically make them come be around you, you're messing up. I love my babies. I love my babies, but I can't be their friends because God, a sovereign creator of the universe, has called me to be their father. And as bad as I want to be some of these kids' friends, and as bad as I wanted to be in that room waxing that boy's leg, as bad as I wanted to go and mess with them and go and torture them and be mean to them and have fun and be a guy, and have a, I got to be a spiritual role model in their life and say, hey, what God do in your heart this week? How can I pray for you? Yeah, I know Dollywood was a blast. It was a hoot and it was a holler. But hey, the devil's waiting on you when you get home. Jake preached a message on the bus ride home and he said those words, the devil's waiting on you the moment you get on this bus. He's waiting. I went, ha! let's see what happened up in them mountains. See how real this really is. You have to be present to parent. You have to be a parent to parent, not their friends. Thirdly, Parents have to be prioritizing the things of God. Why don't my kids come to church? Why don't they? They still live in your house? Guess what? It's on you. That's hard preaching. Easy, easy preaching, hard living. That's what the Word of God teaches. It's that daddy's supposed to prioritize what he's supposed to be prioritizing. If daddy's prioritizing what he's prioritizing, then mama will prioritize what she ought to prioritize. If mommy and daddy are on the same page, then the kids ain't going to have no choice. Let me say that again. The kids ain't going to have no choice. I'm going to say that again. The kids ain't going to have no choice. Anybody get choices when y'all were little? I don't want to eat that. (laughs) I don't want to go there. (laughs) Opinions? You think you get opinions now. You don't even own your own underwear. Well, that's my phone. Whose electricity went in it? Well, that's my shoes. Those are my clothes. I can wear what I want. I paid for the, uh-uh, 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 You are bought with a price. You are not for sale, honey. Get over it. How'd we get here? Well, if that's what the crowd's doing, but we don't want you to be uncool. We don't want you to get bullied. Say, no, honey. You tell them what God says. I was, <laughs> last night, we went to a Crowder concert. Crowder sings that song, All My Hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone. He's a great, he's a great musical artist. And we went to that concert, and there was a lady. She, she meant no harm, but she wasn't really dressed. I'll be nice and be polite. And I'm sitting there with my fingernails on my chair going, because I knew my daughter was going to go, pull your shirt up. Because she's got a mama that she comes out her bedroom wearing something from last summer that don't fit no more because she's grown three foot. We'll go, no, no, no. Go change your clothes. Why? Because we are modest in this house. You don't show it. She's a little kid. Why is it? But she's just a kid. If we don't teach her now, what's she going to think when we all of a sudden decide to teach her when she's 13? I was on the edge of my seat because I knew it was coming. She come back over there. Mommy, you can see her chest. I said, Yes, baby. We don't do that. We'll pray for her. Because I just knew. But she would open her mouth. Well, we open ours. I'm not telling you to go out there and be the fashion police. Because I'm a firm believer there should be age limits and weight limits on every article of clothing that's sold. (laughs) You may think that's mean. I'm sorry. But hey, if it don't cover you, it don't cover you. That's Bible. That's Bible. If you're advertising, that's not acting like you were bought with a price. You're already paid for. No, you're not. Your body's the temple of the living God. You got a parent to be a parent. You got to prioritize to be a parent. Parent with his will. Verse number seven. My Bible's so messed up. I don't know where it's at. Verse number seven. That they may set their hope in God. Why? Why do I got to open my mouth and be a parent? Why do I got to open my mouth and tell them what the Bible says? Why do I got to open my mouth so that they may set their hope in God? We got too many kids running around and going, I don't want nothing to do with God because my daddy messed up. I don't want nothing to do with God because my mama messed up. I don't want nothing to do with God because my pastor messed up. We've been keeping our mouths shut and letting them worship men, letting them worship their parents, letting them worship their coaches, letting them worship a pastor, letting them worship a person and saying, hey, honey, it ain't about me. It ain't about your mama. These aren't our rules. We didn't create you. We didn't form you in your mama's belly. God did it. He's the one you got to have faith in. Mama and daddy may not always be there to make the right decisions but God's eyes are in every place and God sees you everywhere and God knows your name and God loves you right where you are and if you are looking at daddy if you're looking at mama if you're looking at the preacher if you're looking at a deacon if you're looking at a Sunday school teacher and they fail you you got to understand that this world is flawed and these people in it are flawed and that your eyes aren't to be on any man but they are to be looking at Jesus His will His plan that they may place their hope in God. Mamas, you know what my prayer for my kids are? Is that they always know who to go to. And they always know that while their earthly father may get mad at them and may want to throw them out the house, may want to make them sleep on the front porch to appreciate their bed. Your daughter's only six and you, mm mm-hmm. She's a preacher's kid, if I told y'all. That means everything, bad behavior is multiplied by 10, okay? All that 10% that belongs to the Lord, it all goes into the bad behavior of preacher's kids, okay? But even though her earthly daddy may mess up, and even though her earthly mama may mess up, we could tomorrow. She's got a heavenly father that's never going anywhere. My prayer for my daughter is that she finds him. She's questioning, she's asking things, and she says things. She knows all the right church answers. She's been brought up in church. But my prayer is that she truly gets a hold of him. Because once once we get a hold of him, the responsibility is off of us and he's promised to hold us. Once she can get a hold of him, he has a hold of her. And it don't matter what happens to me or mama. It don't matter what the world does all around us. It don't matter what Fox News says is happening. It don't matter what the next disease to sweep the nation is. It don't matter what the next politician says. It don't matter what the next move of the crowd says. God's got her. God's got her. Because all I could do is point her to him. I will open my mouth and parent. Well, I ain't got no kids. I ain't got no grandbabies. Here's some, okay? We're doing our best to get more in. It's hard to get people to come to church and they don't drive. It's hard. It takes buses. It takes vans. It takes workers. It takes time. But if the church don't step in and parent that role, the devil will. And I'll leave it at that. I will open my mouth and praise. I will open my mouth and parent. Lastly, I will open my mouth and profess. I will open my mouth and profess. Verse number 8 says it like this. let's read up seven so we get context that they may not set so that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation oh he's just talking about Israel there right we don't have a generation like that around today do we A generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Our psalmist this morning is asking you to make a profession. He's asking Israel, open your mouth and profess a righteous profession. Might not be as their fathers, a rebellious and stubborn generation. You can break The mold. Let me rephrase that. God can break the Mold. I don't care how many generations of drunks you've got in your family. I don't care how many generations of addicts you've got in your family. I don't care how many generations of strikers and revilers and cussers and, and just mean, nasty people. I don't care what your pedigree is here on earth. You've got a heavenly pedigree that if you'll choose Him, if you'll follow Him, if you'll profess Him, He will direct thy ways. He will direct thy paths. He will walk and talk with you through any of these things in life. And you can have a righteous profession You don't have to live that way. You don't have to make those decisions. As Brother Harold goes into the prisons of our area and he hears testimony after testimony after testimony. Every one of them, it started with one bad decision. Every one of them. One. How'd they end up in prison? How'd they end up in jail? One bad decision. Why do we need to praise God? Why do we need to parent? Why do we need to profess? Because there's a generation in the balance saying, I'll just do it once. But oh, that they had a a voice of a man of God saying, I ever see you do that. I'm going to slap that out your mouth so hard your teeth going to be on the back of your head. Oh, that they had a man of God say, if I ever see you dressed like the opposite gender, you ain't going to be dressed at all and you're going to have to figure that out. We're living in a generation church where the school system of our nation is allowed to keep the opposite genders clothing at the school for the child. So that when they go to, chi- to school and they want to be the opposite sex, that the school will provide them clothes and allow them to be the opposite sex while they're at school. And then allowed to change back before they go home and never say a word to their mom and daddy. That's, look that up. That's happening in our country right now, county by county. That's becoming okay. What well, we blame it on, Washington? What well, we blame it on, this, that, or the other? Where are we at? If you shouted when Roe v. Wade got overturned, say amen. Said if you shouted when Roe v. Wade got overturned, say amen. But the whole time it's been in policy and been in practice. The church has said, what about adoption? What about adoption? What about adoption? What about adoption? Let me got news for you. Man's wickedness ain't going to change. These girls are still going to get pregnant. And the church is going to have to say, what about adoption? These babies got to go somewhere where we want to give them. The state? Where we want to give them? Who are we going to let raise them? The church is, mark my words, the church is going to have to step up here soon. And put their faith where their mouth is. Because if we don't open our mouths, Satan will. A righteous profession, a real profession that set not their heart aright. The reason you can't open your mouth and praise, the reason you can't open your mouth and parent, the reason you can't open your mouth and profess is because your heart isn't right. It's because your heart isn't right. The reason the psalmist is saying that a whole generation kept their mouths closed and didn't deal with the issues that he's going to deal with in the rest of chapter 78. Their heart wasn't right in the eyes of God. So, oh, let's be careful before we open your mouths to praise. Have we prayed before we open our mouths to parent? Have we prayed before we open our mouths to profess? Have we prayed or are we just feeding the world what we want to tell them? The reason why some of us have such a hard time opening our mouths is because our heart isn't right. Either it's a heart that's lost and you've tried your best to be a good man. You've tried your best to be a good woman. You've tried your best to help your good works outweigh the bad. But you're lost and you know it. You've never opened your mouth and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. That's what he's waiting on. This morning, the title, I will open my mouth. That could be what he's waiting on you to open your mouth and say. He moved heaven and earth to get you here this morning. He pulled religion back. He got the motions back. He got some crazy wild man from Pigeon coming back from Pigeon Forge to get up there to all to say. You need to be saved. I've been in church for 40 years, but I've never opened my mouth and asked God to save me. I've never darked the doors of the church day in my life, but I need to open my mouth and ask God to save me. A righteous profession, a real profession. Lastly, as we close, a rock solid profession. They were not steadfast with God. Charge. That was good. Everybody needs, if your phone's gonna go off in church, you gotta have a ringtone like that. It's got to be motivational. A rock solid profession. It won't matter what the world around you is doing if you're right with God. I see, I've seen more worried and terrified Christians in the past three years than I've ever seen in my life. It's okay to be smart, it's okay to be wise. But it shouldn't matter what the world around the world around us could be what sinking sand, but if we're on the solid rock, we are all right. Amen. Why are you acting this way? Why are you so terrified? Ain't you on the rock? Steadfast with God. Aren't you standing on him? Yeah, Washington's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, Washington don't know their right hand from their left. Yeah, the school systems are crazy. Yeah, the world's lost its mind. Yes, there's nuclear weapons pointed at each other. But hey, when this world is going to go one way anyway, the Bible says that the elements will be burned up with a fiery heat, with a fervent heat, and that everything will pass away, and that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Why are we worried about it? You see, the global warming folks, they got it right, but they're just miscalculating by a few million degrees. It's going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. But we got our mouths shut and our ears open to the things of the world rather than the things of God. And let me tell you something, when the things of God start to go in your ears, you won't be able to help yourself from opening your mouth. We've been letting the wrong go in so the good's not coming out. As the instruments and Brother Harold comes close us in a word of invitation.